Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, VP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering here at Tolaris, and this is the Next Level BizTech Podcast. Today we are talking security, but more importantly, we are talking about Virtual CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by my good friend, Paul Robinson, who is VP of National Sales at IGI Cybersecurity. Paul, welcome on, my man. Josh, thank you so much. Uh, just looking forward to having our normal conversations and sharing it to the masses. Really excited for this, man. So uh, I, I want everybody to get to know Paul. Uh, any Anything cool you have about you know your background or weird or normal or whatever, uh, <laughs> I, I always love hearing how people got into the roles. We're going to get about who IGI and what your role there is now, but but how about getting here? Did you all, Were you always security? Did you switch? You know, what's the story? Oh, man, it, it is a weird story. So... I'm going to shock a lot of people that are listening to this that know me. My start actually started with Telcom and selling WebEx and conference call services back in the early 2000s when you call on Fortune 100 companies and they'd say, yeah, we're never going to use WebEx. We're going to put people on planes for the rest of our duration here. And lo and behold, um, everything had changed. So I uh, did that for a while and then went into healthcare, uh, healthcare management for a couple of years kind of got bogged down with that. I'm like, nah, I like technology. I like, you know, telecom and things of that nature. So joined a company locally here in Rochester. And within a week, um, they said, hey, we're changing the whole business model to cybersecurity. And this is in October of 2009. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know a little bit about antivirus that's on my computer. And uh, TJ Maxx, that was a big uh, breach that had just come out yeah, uh, recently. Yeah. Um, somebody's, I don't know, they're excited about my story back there, but, um, <laughs> but, um, so TJ Maxx, it just came out. So that was kind of mainstream news and, and whatever. So I was like, okay, we'll take a, take a switch. And it's been history ever since, um, cybersecurity has allowed me to meet some of the, the world's greatest cybersecurity minds the world's greatest risk minds. Um, and, uh, it was a weird path to get here, but I feel, you know, for the last 14 years, I've, I've found what my career calling is, and that's to uh, use cybersecurity and risk, risk services to help out people. I love it. Uh, I, I love that very rarely is there just this linear path. Uh, and I think that teaches you so much too, right? You just, you learn it the hard way. Um, and you, you don't, you, you know that you want to do something in your general area, but you don't really know what always your general area is. So I love to, to hear somebody that landed on something different. That's awesome. Yeah. We inherently, we all want to be great at something. Like I think that's inherent in all of us and, and whether it's, you know, being a garbage man or being in cybersecurity or being a doctor, like we just have that innate thing of just wanting to be great at something and to latch on to something and have a purpose. And that's how cybersecurity fell for me. So let's jump in then. Current role, VP of national sales at IGI. Uh, I want to preface with IGI was one of the very early security providers of Tolaris. And it's been awesome to to work with you as you guys have grown, as we've grown, uh, and it really just mutually leaned in. And, mm -hmm. and so you guys have been hugely beneficial in our security strategy. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about you know your role, and then if somebody's never heard of IGI, who is IGI? Yeah, so so my role is kind of it's kind of simple. Don't let the title fool you. Um, it, it's to help IGI grow revenue uh, and uh, marketplace awareness of the of the services that we do. Um, you know, to Twitterize, if you may call it that. Um, not to give any free press to them, but to to kind of condense what we do is we help organizations solve problems as it pertains to cybersecurity and risk. And the beauty of IGI is that we have a portfolio of services and solutions that we can provide. The challenge in cybersecurity is you have a lot of point products. So, you know, and not to knock the point products, they're important, but when you have point product discussions, a lot of the conversation is centered around that. Where I have the freedom and my team has the freedom to have discussions with organizations and partners is to have the ability to talk holistically about their business uh, process and program. This is a business excellence issue. I learned that from a, a senior level uh, cybersecurity person at IBM and it stuck with me my whole career is that, you know, people get caught up in the bits and the bytes and the zeros and the ones of cybersecurity, but really what we're trying to do is to build process, get that in place to keep our customers safe and also our employees safe as well. Now, the 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 impetus for today is virtual CISO uh, and, and, you know, for, for anybody that isn't familiar, right, this is uh, a role that companies may or may not have. And, you know, they, they to your point, they may have bought a bunch of security point solutions and thought that that was good enough. Um, the reality is a lot of these organizations that we find just need guidance and need help. Did I did I buy the right thing? Did I is this solution working? What should I be doing? I need to be compliant here. How do I do that? So there's a lot of things that encompass in that. And I think you guys have kind of coined this CISO team thing to where it isn't mm -hmm. just that you get one person. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about that, that virtual CISO, that CISO team. What have you seen? What have you learned uh, that, that, that's been the most valuable for this, that, that our partners can take back and then help as they're having and trying to have new conversations with security with our customers? Yeah. So let's go back to uh, let's take the V or the team out. Let's talk about CISO um, real quickly. And the industry has done a terrible job of quantifying what a chief information security officer is. And we've made it a whole bunch of things that it really isn't. Where we start out foundationally is, is a C-level executive has to drive the vision and the purpose of the department that they're in charge. Of. So think of like a COO or a CMO or you know, a chief legal officer or whatever, you know, they are setting the course for the organization based on their department. The analogy that I use is, you know, think of a manufacturing firm and you think of the shop floor, three shifts going on, people hang, you know, banging on nails and having things go on the assembly line. You don't see the COO on the assembly line putting widgets into devices or sweeping the floor. Um, they're up in their proverbial ivory tower pouring over what operations needs to be like, how can we be profitable? How can we keep our organization safe? How can we be the best at what we do? And that's really the role of the CISO. It's changed a lot recently to where, well, not recently, but it's it's just been like, well, my CISO should tune a firewall or my CISO should do security awareness training. And that's where you're seeing a lot of CISOs burn out. I, I read an article in Forbes the other day, they polled, I think a hundred uh, CISOs, 46% of them are, are planning their exit strategy completely from the industry within the next 12 to 18 months. And it's because they're getting bogged down by the minutia stuff. They, they are more executive level facing people. And they want to get back to that. 
So the way that IGI was able to kind of coin this phrase team as a service is when we're going up against competition and things of that nature and say, well, you get a VC so with that, but what does that really mean? When we say CISO team as a service, we're bringing in a whole team with the team lead on top of it. So our CISO team that we have that that sets the executive course, the business course for the organization. These are people that have been in business for 15 to 20 years doing executive level uh, strategic guidance. So Fortune 100 banks that they've worked for, top 10 healthcare that they work for, the big four consulting. So we're bringing someone that could do the executive level analysis, assessment, if you were the organization. And then when they have their plan of action, they then disperse this along to their team. So we have two teams. We have a strategic team that's going to help write your policies and procedures, test your incident response plan, do your awareness training. Then we have our tactical team, a more technical team that's going to do penetration testing, vulnerability assessment, work with our nodeware solution, our vulnerability management tool, and go from that perspective. So it's a compelling um you know, case that we give an organization to say, hey, we could bring you a team um, in this way for a fraction of the cost of one person uh, and what they would cost. So just to give you a quick, quick outline, medium salary right now, let's pick on California because it's a little higher. Medium salary is about 325,000. Um, and that's not including wraparound fees for insurance, things of that nature. We're coming in at a fraction of that cost with a team to help the organization chart their way to become more cyber resilient. We want to focus in on that word cyber resiliency. No one, I don't care if you're a solution or a product, can come in and say, we're going to make you 100% secure. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the physical world. It doesn't exist in the virtual world. But we want to build you to a resilient state to where you can attest for things from a compliance perspective. And then God forbid, if something were to happen, um, you could be up in operational as quick as possible uh, surviving an attack. I want to go into a couple of those points that you just made. I think it was kind of a, a, a trifecta. Um, you know, you, you brought a stat up about, you know, 40 some percent of the CISOs are planning their exit from burnout. Um, we, we know the other stats that flow out there about how much, a, a you know, your average breach costs an organization. We know the bad guys are in there over a hundred days. So we know these stats. Um, the, the important thing I think that just keeps getting worse and worse and, you know, call it great resignation piling on top of that. Um, we were already talking about a staffing shortage to begin with. So not only is there a, a, a massive deficit of hiring pool for these companies to find them when they find them, they don't last. I mean, what, what's your average tenure for a CISO? Is it two years, 18 12 eight, months, 12 to 18 months, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. They're, they're. It's 12 to 18 months, but and the key thing is this, is that it's not so much burnout from I'm exhausted, but it's burnout from playing internal politics. So a CISO is going in, again, they are an executive level person. They're going in to cause change. Resistance is always huge at the security level. So they're, they're done after 12 to 18 months of banging their head against the walls. They're like, okay, I'll find someone else to pay me to do this and I'm out. Like, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you add that in and you add the fact that you're coming in at, you know, uh, besides the fact that you can't find these people, when you find them, can you afford them is the other question. Uh, and, and some of these organizations can certainly not afford the 300, 400, 500, whatever thousand dollar price tag. But um, then you have that, you, you have a team wrapped around of expertise. You've got some resiliency there augmented by your services. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in that, certainly. So uh, I, I want to lead us in then to the next piece here where, you know, we talk about how IGI stays in front of these things. And, you know, 
we can take this R&D, we can take it wherever. But, you know, another service that, that we're familiar with that you guys offer is the incident response side of things. So to do that, uh, obviously, you have to stay in front of what's going on out there. And you and I talk about bad guys and bad stuff. And just when we think we've seen it all, here's the new one. So talk to me a little bit about how IGI stays in front of that to help people that are maybe not quite aware. Yeah, we have um, a couple of different avenues of that. So the beauty about IGI and why I like it here, love it here, is because we're all security purists. So we are scouring news articles all the time, not just you know the mainstream news, but we have some back-end news channels that we get, and we're always consistently sharing articles. So services is, share is sharing with sales. Sales is sharing with services. We actually have something that might be of, of, uh, of value to the partners. We've actually started a, a real-time news feed uh, Slack channel um, that is available for any partner, any agent that wants to join us. So you, you'll see a lot of organizations that'll say, hey, this is this week's roundup of uh, cybersecurity incidents. It's outdated in a week. Um, yeah. You know, it, it really is outdated in a week. And these major issues that come up, like Log4j was one of them. You know, someone will put out a weekly brief about Log4j and the news completely splits script the next week. So it's like antiquated and it makes you look bad. So this channel is manned by folks here at IGI and it's also community driven as well. So people find articles and they share them, but we're doing real time um information shares on this slack channel again you know reach out to josh reach out to myself uh we'll get you involved in this channel and it's really important to have that because that then gives you the confidence when you talk to your your client base to say hey i just saw this today i thought of you what are your thoughts on this how would your organization become resilient against an attack like this or a data leakage like that you know, it, it's a good point too, and I certainly encourage anybody to get a hold of you to get on that to get to get up to that uh, up to date insight. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of the, the similar track of when we talk about um, security. We talked about this on the last cloud podcast. We talked about DR. Um, you know, mm. and, and overcoming objections with customers when you're talking to to try to push a DR strategy or or look at a DR product. It was, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. Uh, do you have a backup plan? Do you have a backup, you know, whatever for DRES? Yeah, I do. And a lot of people wouldn't know where to take it from there. They go, oh, I, I got a, I got a pushback. I guess there's nothing I can do that. And mm -hmm. it isn't as much of a polite, uh, you know, uh, walk away as it can be. That's great. I'm excited. Most people don't have a plan. Kudos to you for for putting that plan in place. I'm I'm curious when you tested that backup methodology and when you attempted to recover, um, how quickly did you? come back online and did it meet the expectations of what the C-level thought it was? I think you can kind of lend that same strategy to security. And maybe this this is what we take into the into the next one where we talk about an example, because I know you, you've seen it, I've seen it, where uh, we walk into the customer's environment and we're, we've been told, hey, you just they just need this one thing. Just talk to them real quick about this thing and um, we, we could put a proposal together and done deal. And then we get in there and we discover and we just find, Oh my gosh! You, you don't have this. You don't have this. You don't have that. So you, you know, obviously, it, it comes from a place of caring, and we don't want to see another breach. But um, we also have to instill some factor of this is a really big deal. So I, I would love to hear an example where you guys have kind of come in. What were you told the 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 problem was? What did you end up finding? And then what was the end result? What what, what services or products did you put in place to help? Yeah. So we had a. We actually had a CISO task client uh, come join us in quarter one of this year. 
and um, they had a CISO for many years that uh, retired and left. Um, while we were talking with them, you know, it was it was said to us, "Hey, everything's in place. We have multiple compliances that we need to adhere to. We're compliant." And everything, we just want something to bridge our gap between, you know, him leaving and then us hiring somebody else. And then when they realized how much the other person was going to cost, um, we provided a tremendous value to them in that they were able to use our CISO team as a service solution, hire a junior analyst. Um, I wouldn't call her junior, but, you know, less than a CISO and still have money left over. Uh, fast forward three months later they experienced one of the most vicious ransomware attacks that I've ever seen. Wow. Um, it was uh, business stopping. Um, they were non-operational for weeks. Uh, no money was coming in. Uh, they had to field 12 hours a day for two weeks of calls from angry customers. Why didn't you take care of my data? Um, why can't, you know, my production is now lost. Uh, it just had this nasty ripple effect down to um legacy servers um being impacted and not being able to be uh, fixed and where we came in with our CISO team as a service is we bought if we, we brought stability um you know i think back to 9 11 i'm a new york city kid so 9 11 resonates very closely with me and i remember watching the news that day and just being so upset and so like what's going to happen next and i don't know if people are dead that i know and uh, Dan Rather came on uh, the TV and he just said these two words. He said, steady, steady. And that's what our CISO team was able to bring to the situation because now it's not the IT manager that's um, you know trying to figure this out. It's not the network engineer. Now we're at the C-level. Now we're at people that are like, we have a multi-million dollar business that could potentially fold within hours if we don't fix this. And our team came in and we were able to do things IGI related and non-IGI related. So that's the value I wanna to provide to your partners and to your agents to the Laris community as well, is that um, we think outside of the box. So there's certain things that we don't do. So we're not a legal service. We don't have lawyers on retainer here, but I know some of the best cyber lawyers in the, in the globe that can come in and, and can make legal sense of this. Hey, bring them in, let's go, 10 minutes. I had a lawyer on the call and we're just now putting the legalities around this, protecting the environment um, from a legal perspective. Um, our guys were able to, um, they're no ladies, so I'm just making sure, I, you know why I said guys, these were, these were guys that were working on it. Um, they were able to um, construct documents, construct responses, take calls as well to help um, stem the tide. And, they're going to be back in operation very quickly. Um, that's the value that we provide. And that's why, you know, when we talk to agents and partners and like, well, I need a pen testing quote. We're, we're not quick to give that pen testing quote out just to give it out. Um, we want to know what's going on. We, we want to be able to provide value holistically to the business to be able to help them out. And, you know, to, to say, hey, you know, my team helped save the multi-million dollar business because of the way that we acted and the solutions that we were able to implement, again, IGI and non-IGI, it's huge, man. It, it, it really it really is a huge thing um, to be able to uh, to say that you do a very powerful statement um, that kind of takes it to the next level of discussions that you have with, yeah. uh, with clients. Good, good. I mean, you're, honestly, you're saving jobs at that point. That's huge. Good stuff.
pay, yeah, paychecks. Um, you know, this is a multi-generational business. Um, you know, we've had other, other ones before where the CEO was crying at the table because it was fourth generation, um, waste management company. And they were within 45 minutes of not being able to be recoverable from a financial perspective. Yeah. And, you know, we saved them too. Um, and uh that's it, it, it's deeper it's it, it it speaks to the internal value of it you know i didn't grow up in business my dad ran a, a homeless uh drug addicted ministry in brooklyn for 20 years so i'm not road scholar i'm not mba um you know it, my my heart is benevolence and when you can see how you can help people inside of that um, and kind of have a human factor to it. it it's it's very rewarding, yeah. very rewarding. And I think you know you bring up a good point. I I I think when partners get an ask or or the idea of this pen test comes up, I think a light should go on for everybody. If you know that that example we've all seen of the iceberg, uh, you know one one eighth of the iceberg is above the water. The rest is down below. I I think we've found with security that it's. It's very similar. So you should get really excited when you get that ask and be willing to kind of uncover it and, and go a little layer deep. And, and I think there's so much value to add, just just like you yeah. mentioned. And it's like going, to, it's like me going to the doctor and saying, hey, you know, I've had this weird uh, pain chest and I've, you know, it's weird, you know, um, just give me, you know, a prescription for nitroglycerin and I'll be on my way. It's like, well, no, you need to pause there. Um, we need to run some tests. We need to understand what's really going on. And maybe it is something as simple as a pill, or it could be something as big as, you know, quadruple bypass, but okay. you can't know that to your point of the iceberg, you can't know that until you go to the crux of the business and understand exactly what it is that's going on. Great example. Uh, so as we get to the last couple questions here, um, so let's, let's say that I'm a partner and I'm listening to this and I'm, uh, maybe I, I, I've just dabbled in security a little bit. Maybe I haven't gone into security. Maybe I'm doing cloud or contact center network or, or SD-WAN or whatever. What's your, what's Paul's advice here of, of how you, how you segue that conversation uh, if you're in that partner's shoes? Well, I, I say this and I'll give a shout out to Kimberly Moore because this is a, a, a phrase that we coined. Um, if you're not having the conversation with your client, someone else is. Fact of the matter. Um, you know, I've had, uh, partners and agents come up to me and say that they've lost multi-million, not multi-million, uh, you know, six figure, we'll say six figure cybersecurity deals. Um, and I said, well, how, how'd that happen? It's like, well, they didn't know we did security. Hmm. And so you're leaving money on the table, um, with that, uh, what, what I encourage, you know, agents and partners to think about is, well, let's, let's look at this logically. So think about your five biggest customers that you have. Think about what you've sold them in the past, context and SD-WAN, circuits, uh, whatever. When you sell someone a technology and you don't uh, give cybersecurity credits to it, you're introducing a vulnerability to that business. Um, it, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just the way that it is. Um, you know, if I add a door to my house and I don't put a lock on it um, and there's no security on my door, that's a vulnerability. Now someone can come in. So, so one of the easiest ways to engage is, is to go back to your biggest customers and say, or or any customer, I shouldn't say big, any customer, yeah, go back and say, hey, we worked on these three projects in the last 12 months. Um, we haven't really had a discussion around the cybersecurity strategy around these technologies that we've sold you. Um, we want to make sure that we, 
you know, we, we maximize your investment, we protect your investment. Let's talk about ways that we can we can secure it. And that might be IGI, that might not be IGI. You have a ton of great uh, solutions in your portfolio, but again, to encourage them to have that conversation with them. And it's also, you know, let's be a little bit selfish here for the agents and partners, it's protecting your investments as well. Because yeah. if you have $15,000 of MRC going, going in and out of, you know, in and out of the door, and an organization is brought to its knees by a cyber attack and they shut down, they can't pay you the $15,000. It's, it's gone. The business is gone. So it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit selfish, but, but it, it's also important for the partners to understand, I need to protect my investments as well. I need to protect myself as well. So by bringing cybersecurity solutions in a way that's professional and meaningful to the business, not just shotgunning, hey, did you hear about, you know, Equifax, or did you hear about, you know, all these, you know, don't, don't do that, but really mindfully think of your business that you're talking to and think of ways that they need to be protected. And if you can't come up with any information, find me, find Josh, find Jeff, find the whole team, and we'll provide you with the information to go to the table with to say, Hey, um, you know, I thought, I thought of you today. I I, I want to see if you're able to uh, understand what this could mean to the business. And if you, you know, if you need help, I'm here to help you. I've got a whole army of people behind me to help you. Great points. Uh, let's go final thought here. So uh, I think security is one of those that evolves so quick, just like everything else we always talk about evolves so quick. But the security threat landscape seems to always change, and the, the, the tools, the way we combat them always change. So there's a lot of things we've we've talked about uh, on the SD-WAN and, and side of things, CASB, SASE, the, the edge, you know, customers trying to get less latency, moving their applications off-prem, you know, all these good things. Um, and, and, the, and couple that with the bad guys staying 16 steps in front of us all. So yeah. your thoughts on what to look for over the next 12, 24 months, trends upcoming, staying the same, final thoughts? Yeah, so the trends, uh, the way that I see it is it is kind of uh, multi multi-factored. So no pun intended. Um, when you're seeing inflation go that the way that it is, when you're seeing um, reduction of work staff the way that it is, when you see the geopolitical turmoil that we're in, military turmoil that we're in, the attackers are going to use that as a conduit to increase the attacks that are that are on our businesses. So you figure if you have 46% of CISOs quitting, that's not good. Criminals know that. They know that people's defenses are going to be down. If we see inflation going up and companies having to cut costs and saying, okay, security is the first thing that's going to get the red, you know, the red axe from it, criminals know that as well. So they're going to come after that. Um, you know, and, and, and just sheer, sheer apathy by organizations, um, not all organizations, but a lot of organizations are just like, ah, it's going to happen. Um, like, okay, you know, great. That just makes our target easier uh, for us. So, you know, how do you combat that from a, um, an agent and partner perspective? It's very important, um, to talk about the business piece of it. Um, you know, use the example that I gave, Hey, you know, let's say your organization was shut down for 38 days and you had no way to produce goods or services that you provide, how would you be able to respond to that? Um, you know, if uh, we had one situation one time where um, the company had to actually sue their biggest client because they couldn't decide who was a conduit for an ACH wire transfer, 
and their and the legal guidance they got from internal counsel was okay you got to sue them so you sue your biggest client go to your company and say hey can you afford to sue your biggest client um it's really keeping it simple and thinking from a business mindset and this really separates the goods from the greats it's it's a, it's a phrase that i started to use you know you can be good at, at, at being a good agent or a good partner but if you're going to be great the more you know about that business intrinsically the better it's going to serve you and the better it's going to serve your clients as well. Love it. And we're wrapping on that. Uh, I appreciate right. it. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Appreciate you, buddy. My best to everybody out there. Take care. All right, everybody, that wraps us up for today. Paul Robinson, VP of National Sales from IGI Cybersecurity. I'm your host, wrapping up security and virtual CISO, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Polaris. And this is the Next Level BizTech Podcast. Until next time. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolera Studio 19. Please visit tolera.com for more information.